0: The Hobbit is a much-loved and well-known story, a prequel of sorts to Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. This fantasy adventure novel introduced Middle-earth to the world, but there wouldn't be much toasting the classic's drama and declaring The Hobbit a classic. That much is obvious. So, we went with a slightly different format and talked about the 1974 audio version, originally on vinyl but easily available on YouTube. With Merlin himself, Nicol Williamson, reading and abridging, this version is a slightly different spin on Tolkien's original. So, Imagine yourself in an Oxford pub with your inkling friends and pour yourself some English style bitter beer. It's time for episode 55 of Toasting the Classics, The Hobbit. Welcome to Toasting the Classics. This is uh, a guest guest host episode. We got a couple of guest hosts. We got a returning champion, uh, Chris Gregg.
1: Yay! Yes, hello Chris Cragg. Welcome once again.
0: No, no, you're Chris Cragg.
1: Well, and nobody info. else was cheering, Dave. So, okay. yeah.
0: right, 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 right.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, let's assume it was all drowned out. Yes, <laughs> and the mass appreciation for you. Okay. And we got somebody new on the show. Who's that?
2: I'm new, the newbie. Please be gentle.
0: <laughs> all right. All right. I think I think we can handle that. I don't think we you've <laughs> heard on people on this show. Uh, so this is the podcast where we take something that people call a classic and we talk about it. Then we drink something inspired by the classic and we come to a big conclusion about what, Chris? What do we come to a conclusion about?
1: Whether or not it's a classic and also whether no. or not the drink is any good sometimes.
0: Yeah, sometimes. But, but but the way we phrase it is we say, are we toasting this classic? So we'll <laughs> get to that at some point. Right. So I guess whether or not we know.
1: think it's a classic. Okay.
0: Right. No, no, no. It's not about whether we think if we say it's a classic, it's okay. canon. So uh, you've got, I remember having that copy of this book at some point, but we're not really doing the book.
1: We're not. It's, it's just the flavor. Obviously, we're going
0: to be talking about the book quite a bit. But uh, what we're doing is something that you came up with, which is a new format to in the Classics. This is a new type of media that we haven't done before. So what, what do we go with?
1: We're listening to an audiobook of The Hobbit. And this is an audiobook that was recorded, I believe, in 1976, 74. Oh, wow. Thank you. Uh, it's,
0: the same year, it's the same year my usual pod- podcasting host, Clint, was born. And <laughs> everything on the podcast seems to hover around 1974. So I was not surprised when I well, looked it up and saw it was 1970.
1: So, uh, recorded by Nicole Williamson, uh, who was a famous stage actor who's also had some movie parts. And we'll talk about that later. Fun to do an audio pod- uh, podcast about an audiobook. I don't know who
0: this Nicole Williamson is because the YouTube, definitely one of the clips that I listened to referred to it as Nicole Williamson.
1: But if you if you look at the actual cover of the medium, it has yeah. N-I-C-O-L spelled out. So it's funny that they had it misspelled on YouTube. My parents actually had that LP, that original cover. Yeah. And I would bust that out in my living room as a kid and listen to this. So this is near and dear to my heart.
0: And how many discs did that take?
1: Uh, I think it was either four or six, but I—it's been a long okay. time.
0: Okay, so you can't get that on one. One, one LP is like an hour, 70, 80 minutes most, right?
1: Because it was broken into four parts, it makes me think that they did one YouTube segment for each friend back okay. LP.
0: What did you guys think? What did you guys? So I guess no. Let's not ask that. Why did you pick this? What, what, I mean, it's an audio book. So what? What did this particular recording? So what? What's, what's, uh, why do we go with this?
1: So uh, Nickel was a stage actor. Uh, he uh, was notably difficult to work with. Uh, his Wikipedia page, in fact, has a sub thread for the numerous different times he physically assaulted other actors in his plays. There's yes.
2: Yes. Uh, temper tantrums. Had, right. had
1: beef with Ellen Mirren. Uh, who Ooh, explicitly brave man. did not want to be cast opposite him in Excalibur? This is also an abridged audiobook, and he abridged it himself. He did all his own work on it.
0: I thought it seemed short, and I did not pick Your
1: up four
2: hours. Did seem big. short? I was going yeah, to talk okay. about that. Uh,
1: there, there are certain things that, if if you're really conversant cool. with The Hobbit, you you know. Things have been cut out. I can give you some examples as we go. I
0: did. You know what? I you know what I realized have been cut out. The only time I really picked up on it is when Gollum is doing a guessing game and he guesses what he has in his pockets, and he says it's hands. It says in the book that that the Hobbit quickly put, pulled his hands out of his pockets so that it wasn't right, and that wasn't in this version. And yeah, like, there's little yeah. stuff like that. I was like, what happened to that? Wasn't that in the book? Did I make that up? I was I, I was it was gaslighting me a little bit, like the abridged version. Apparently there's
2: little bits like that in this. Yeah. A little little you know. Hardcore folks are, you know, um, yeah, I did a little research on that. It's folks it seem to be a little bent out of shape over that, but overall it seems to be pretty well received as being true. Um it,
1: and one of the other things that he he really worked on was trying to make all of the voices distinct, so he didn't have to say Gandalf said after every time Gandalf says something. Yeah, he, yeah. he wanted to be more like a, a stage play where
2: every single voice was different, except for maybe a few of the dwarves. But like, like you could close your eyes. By the by, the fourth hour, I I knew who was talking. You yeah, know, without any problems, it which was, is
1: pretty impressive for one person doing that. Very impressive.
2: I, I listened to it twice, and uh, you know, once a few weeks ago, and then again um, over the last couple of days, and that really stood out as remarkable. I mean, that's you you really don't think that's true, but he he spent the time to come through and come up with a voice for all that. Voice acting is. Yeah, like that's not like a small thing, like to, to come up with all those voices, you know, you have to, and to come back to it, you couldn't have recorded that all at once. So he had to no. <laughs> come up with a voice and then record that probably on his own. It, it, there's a lot to it. And the technology then to record yourself was probably a bigger pain in the butt. So it
1: was, it was a lot of, of studio time, which was right. expensive in 74.
0: I listen to audiobooks a lot and they don't usually do that. Sometimes they'll lighten their voice a little for a female character. For right. a child or something, but otherwise they're not coming up with like a different accent. Like when Bilbo talks, it's Bilbo, and when Thorin yeah. is talking, it's Thorin, and yes.
3: everybody's
0: got a very different accent. Gandalf's probably the flattest one that's closest, I think, to the narrator's
1: natural accent. It's yeah. very Merlin. The Gollum, the Gollum <laughs> accent. I I thought the voice for that. I thought Andy Circus. Well, I, I have that in my coming. notes. Yeah. That's yes.
2: that is something. And I think maybe even Benedict Cumberbatch uh, listened to his Smout because I, uh, thinking,
0: yeah, I thought Smoug sounded different than the way Cumberbatch did it. I was thinking this. I was
2: were there other
1: voices you guys thought were standouts?
2: Oh, oh the uh I've got a
1: couple of strange characters like the Raven.
2: The Raven was my favorite. That's a distinctive prophet, one. Hands down, the Raven was my favorite. Oh, my God. That truly was, was the best. Bard
0: Bard has a little bit of a different way of talking. Just about everybody does. I I think this is, because I always thought it was strange. The first time I saw Fellowship of the Ring, I had trouble with, why do they sound Scottish? Why do all the hobbits have these weird Scottish <laughs> accents? And I think it's because they probably listened to this, and they were just like, oh, this is what hobbits talk like. I don't know. Right, so are you guys popping drinks?
1: Yes, sir. So uh, yeah, I guess we should. Talk about what we have.
0: Yeah, Toast yeah. classics. On Toast and classics, we always drink something inspired by the media or class or purported.
1: Uh oh.
0: I've got a Boddingtons, and apparently it's explosive. <laughs> it.
2: Good for you guys. I, I um, I guess I'm the one who chose to drink. I did a little research. Um, I I read that Tolkien and C.S. Lewis uh, they like to get together to kind of read each other's work. They actually had like a little group they called the Inklings. Like okay, you know. And they'd meet at this bar called um, the Eagle and Child that the nickname was, I think, the Burden Baby. But uh, anyway, it was a bar known for its bitters and um, morels. I, you know, I did all this research on it and ended up uh, totally flubbing on finding something that was actually <laughs> oh. an English style bitter and ended up with an IPA. So, kudos to both of you for finding English beers. Um, they are I mean, surprisingly yeah. tough to find around here. Yeah. My uh,
0: my research was not extensive. I just went down to the local corner store. I mean, that's it. So my the liquor store doesn't sell beer. Apparently, beer is sold at different places in New York than
1: other drinks. Uh, so, did you do any research on what a uh, a British bitter beer is?
2: I mean, not too much. No, did you? Did you kind of dive into that a bit yourself, or uh,
1: a little bit? It, so, it's a it's a balanced beer uh, with the the hops and the malt. Everything's supposed to be kind of even. Nothing stands out too much, and there there are three different types. I think there's the uh, the ESB or the extra special bitter is the is the highest end version of it. Ah, I, thought ESB, I
0: thought ESB stood for English
2: style bitter. Same here, <laughs> same here. That's, I should have done more research. <laughs> uh,
1: but the, like the three grades are mostly dependent on the uh, the gravity and the alcohol content. Higher up on the scale is the ESB. That's the the. The top okay. one with the higher a, a, ABC and the, the higher gravity.
2: Mine doesn't taste like much.
1: What do you guys, uh, it's not well, bad.
2: It's an IPA, so it's going to be bitter heavy. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, know, that's a totally it's, different type. Sort of,
0: sort of what Chris is saying. This is pretty balanced. Nothing's like jumping out at me. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not a bad beer. It's a good beer, but it's um, it's very British. There's not a whole lot of taste it's forward. It's
2: supposed to be just under room temperature, too. You know, it's, uh, they're, it's they're, not very cold,
1: honestly. Right. <laughs> yeah, we heard it. Well, it's supposed to be, I guess, the American version, I guess, it would be sort of a session beer where you can just, you know, drink it and it's not going to be overwhelming or anything.
0: Something is shaking in the can. There's there's some kind of a mechanism here.
2: Yeah, well, it's kind of like a Guinness. You know, they have a little bit of a, um, you know, a cartridge in it to, um, you're actually supposed to pour it and then, you know, get yourself a nice little. Uh, I see. Nice head to yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if uh,
1: Professor token would have approved of mine, but it was the only thing that I could find that was billed as an ESP, although on their website they actually call it an ale. And I don't know if you can see this, but it is... uh,
2: Right! Um, oh you win dude you yes. win iron maiden you win. trooper
1: oh you um, win. which is actually uh, apparently iron made with the help of one of the band members of iron maiden so
2: yes no they it's uh yeah
1: uh because it's based on the, the charge of the light brigade which uh,
2: uh it's um yeah you know iron maiden they kind of pick a um you know some sort of work of Poetry, like epic poem, like uh, *Rhyme of the Ancient Mariners*, like, or they'll take some figure from history. Um, it's it's like really, like really the Great. Yes, yes, absolutely. There's a uh, there's some about him, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, so, yeah, Charge of the Light Brigade. Um, yeah, it's, that's essentially, I think, the Trooper, I think, is uh, what that's all about. So, um,
1: yeah, it's tasty. It's, a, it's actually a little citrusy, which I was not expecting. So.
2: <laughs> all right, apparently Iron um, Man can brew some beer. <laughs> Go <yeah>. Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up on Metalhead. And, they, and they, actually, the only reason I could really sneak in, because my mom was really big uh, no on metal stuff. I had to kind of either hide it or sell it and Iron Maiden was easy to sell because they, they tied things to history or they tied yeah. things to literature so well. And so I, I would you know I'd read like Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner and then you know you know so so yeah I could I could tie it to something that was you should
0: do <laughs> The next time you come on Kevin we should do a metal album of some kind. <laughs> I know I know nothing about heavy metal like at all Sure. So speaking of songs, one of my least favorite things about listening to a Tolkien audiobook is that you can't skip the songs. <laughs> yeah,
1: what? I was going to ask about that.
0: I was. um. So when. The, so the Fellowship of the Ring, the first film had come out and they had the trailer for Two Towers. Mm. And I was sitting in the theater uh, watching something else. And we saw this trailer. It was me and my friend Justin and his wife. And we're watching it and we're like looking and we're like. You know, they had that voiceover of Theoden. Mm-hmm. I was like, weird. They wrote something like just for the trailer. I was like, that's so strange. Book. It was like, and and Teresa's like, what do you mean? That's in the books. That's that's mm-hmm. one of the songs. And we were yeah, like, I'm what? Oh, we, we skipped the songs. I've n- I've read the book five times. I've never read the song. <laughs> like, oh,
2: well, watch the cartoon growing up, the Hobbit cartoon.
0: Like, uh The Hobbit cartoon, yes, but the Lord of the Rings one, I don't think I got through. Well,
2: that that wasn't like <laughs> that, that was a weird like. Mix of live action and you mm-hmm. know, like, what do they call it? Um, like like on, uh,
1: rotoscoping, I believe. Rotoscoping, rotoscoping
2: something like that. Um,
1: it was also a notably tortured production.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was questionably good, but the cartoon, The Hobbit, had great music, and um, and they brought back the same um, animation team for the Return of the King that they did um, a few years later. But yes, um, I
3: think I saw
0: that and I liked that, but I didn't like the Lord of the Rings one.
2: But going back to the hobbit they really went out of their way with the music and i with this i kept wanting to hear the music from the hobbit cartoon and was actually uh yeah i actually went and looked up some of it and was listening to it uh you know like when they did the whole um you know that's what you know bilbo and hates and they're right. saying about the plates yes. and the cracking and all of your know, plates and all your know, chipping of the uh you know cups or whatever it's uh yeah it, it's um yeah i i i that was like the um the only I think way that they could have added to this was to you know have you know, but I think they did a good job with it. I think he did a good job with uh you know kind of doing the songs, sort of
1: there were clearly um, limited resources, yes, but he. Yes. He winged it, he did as best he could with it be great. Yeah, you know, with a budget.
0: It, it works. It works. I was listening. It wasn't it wasn't um, <laughs> trying to come up with a melody or anything, but it was nope. all right. <laughs>
1: Many of those were abridged. So yes. I yes. guess yes. you could for that.
0: Also <laughs> probably a good choice. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes.
2: I, 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 just I, remember, remember,
0: I just remembered I actually had a record of the Hobbit when I was a kid, but it was a record from the animated version. Oh yeah! Either there were those books where you turn a page, it would make a sound when it was time to turn the page in the book, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had one of those. that was based on the the, the animated version of the Hobbit. And I, I I liked that one a lot. That was pretty good.
1: So, do we think we need to do a summary of the Hobbit itself, or is it just so well known that? Oh, like, oh um,
0: yeah. I mean, why not? Right. I mean, yes, probably it'd be like doing a summary of Romeo and Juliet. Like everybody knows what happens in it. I
3: would imagine, mm. but. Right right
0: um and right there i think that's kind of admitting that we're not going to be judging the classicity of the hobbit although i guess we could
2: i think we have to be distinct in this i i yeah know.
0: i think so yeah i think so because because we did uh, raiders of the lost ark one time and i was just like why are we even asking if this is a classic like, <laughs> you know
2: <laughs> no that that's two, two white guys
1: from generation x yes Raiders. we're of gonna lost of course find that, that like out it was not, you know it, it's another fun thing about doing this in a different medium, too, because you get to judge it in a different context.
0: Definitely. So you guys listen. Kevin, you said you listened two times. Yes. And Chris, it sounds like you've heard this multiple times over the course of your life. Yes.
1: Yes. It's yeah. something I have revisited.
0: I remember seeing a live play version of The Hobbit um, when I was a little kid at Rock Creek Park. There were, like oh. some, there were like people doing a play of it, and I really liked it. I, I really remember the Gollum bit like stuck with me very powerfully. Um, And I already knew this story. I remember knowing what was going to happen in the story beforehand, but um, it was, so I've seen this done. Clearly we're talking about, I've read the book. I've I've read the book for myself. Then I've read it to all the children in my life over the years, from my brother to my, my oldest daughter to my little ones. I've seen multiple versions of the film, obviously. Um, So this is a story that's, it's being told in multiple different ways. So it's kind of kind of what we're talking. It's not it's not like Rashomon, but it's like you get a little bit different of a take on it from each medium. What do you, do you guys know Nickel Williamson from anything else,
2: Chris? This was your find. Why, why don't you uh, you know not you sell uh, or, um you know. uh Nickel Williamson is probably most famous for
1: uh, his roles in Hamlet on stage. Uh, he also did a movie. Uh, I think he did a Macbeth with uh, The aforementioned Helen Mirren where the beef started And then they reunited again In Excalibur uh, where he played Merlin and she was Morgan Le Fay Uh, He had several other roles And had a uh, Orson Welles Like finish to his career Uh, (laughs) You recall famously Orson Welles last movie was Transformers Transformers. the movie
0: Uh, I believe believe Nicole Williamson's last movie was Spawn
1: Yes He so passed away equally,
0: equally ignominious if not more so than the transformers movie mm. yeah i, I feel yeah. like if we were going to do a toast in the classics episode on one of those it would be transformers not <laughs> <Ben>. so <laughs> um, uh, you know one is marginally better than the other i would imagine but i don't know if that's what uh, i don't know if that's what orson Welles wanted for the end of his career anyway I, you guys have obviously seen excalibur oh yes yeah. oh, yeah. i've actually only seen that one time i liked it quite a bit but i was a kid when i saw it and i haven't ever seen it since um but i did see return to oz a bunch of times and Nicole williamson is in that did you guys see that
1: uh yes he, and he's done voices and several other things too I, that's a very distinctive voice
0: what accent and what ethnicity was he doing for the goblins they were they were definitely the only one that was not like a native english speaker
1: Absolutely. Yeah, vaguely Germanic is about all vaguely I got. I'm not sure. yes. I think,
0: I think yes. that's a good way to go about it. Which is which is okay with me. It's it's if anybody would sound sort of foreign to the common tongue, it would probably be goblins, right?
2: Well, yeah, certainly Tolkien would probably want that voice to be i just knew he lived through the
0: world wars i don't think he was a big fan of the germans yeah
2: yeah yeah i I didn't want i didn't want to put you know uh words in tolkien's mouth but um i would assume that if if he did have a um a negative feeling towards any any um country in europe it would probably be german have
0: you ever tried to graft the countries of world war one and world war two onto the various like tribes of creatures in middle earth
2: I, I did it one, when I was younger. I I, I did. Um, I was thinking I about do that as I like, go. <laughs> I was I was thinking
0: about what a bad writing device it is for the Eagles to constantly show up and save people, like in both <laughs> things, like in a Hobbit and in this. And I was like, uh, maybe the Eagles are the Americans. They like <laughs> swoop in out of nowhere and save them at the last minute, like without really yeah. getting involved in the story. And it was, and then I started thinking about like other ones. I was like, p- probably the Elves are the French. <laughs> you know they're sort of they're sort of they're sort of beautiful and like unreliable and like and and culturally alluring you know and stuff like that but i would think that would kind of fit and clearly it, we, i think it's obvious the hobbits are the british or at least the english right because they're sort of they have all these positive virtues that tolkien imagines the english <laughs> people have um and then yeah so guess, who are
1: the welsh and the irish and
0: yeah, you know, yeah like I don't know. Sailing if
1: been... to Numenor, or sailing to the West would be coming to America, which um, I don't think of this place as well, heaven. Do... But no. Oh, no, Sailing
0: to the West is, is what people would say in the First World War when people died. They would say he's going to the West. Okay. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that's where Tolkien gets that from. It's like interesting when the, when the elves disappear into the West, it's just, a, it's just a phrase people said in the First World War. It's, it's kind of like how Americans started saying he bought the farm when he died. Mm-hmm. I think British soldiers would say he went, to, he went into the West, which I guess that's where England is. So they carry your body
1: away to the West. But having read Beowulf recently, did the uh, Nordic storytelling tradition call out to you at all in this? Yes, Beowulf is all over Tolkien. Yeah, definitely. Yes.
0: Every, every time you read it, you can't miss it's it. Very apparent. And, and the more you go back to the actual text of Beowulf and read it, and, and I know Tolkien's history with translating Beowulf, it's, um, that's hard to miss. But there's also those other Germanic myths that are in this. Yes, the, yes. Ones, the ones I'm less familiar with, like um, Fafnir and, and Sigurd and, and those kinds of things. Like I don't know those stories as well. And like the stories of Wagner, uh, that Wagner covered in The Ring Cycle, clearly The Ring. Fafnir starts out as a dwarf that gets a whole bunch of gold then sits on the gold and becomes so greedy and all he turns into a dragon. And so that's definitely, we've got a metaphor for that here in The Hobbit. Absolutely. Right? It's really cool how this kind of brought back some older myths that were sort of killed by Christianity for Europeans. And I think Tolkien kind of brought it back to the fore.
1: Right. Um, I mean, down to the way even when Thorin presents himself uh, to the Rivermen, that's it's not, hey, I'm Thorin. It's, you know, I'm Thorin, son of Thrain, son of Thor, yeah. king under the mountain. Yes. Yeah, he's kind of full. Very, right.
2: <laughs> yeah. was, I, I like the way the uh, Bilbo would hide who he was when he introduced himself to certain folks, certainly like Smaug, where he talked around um, Right. Like spoken riddles, described himself, and actually eh, it kind of led to the whole Smaug losing his stuff and going down to the... This is talking about the plot of The Hobbit, but don't the people of Laketown know that's going
0: to happen if the dwarves go and mess with Smaug? If nobody's messed with Smaug for 60 years and he's been sleeping, why do they let the dwarves go up there? I wonder that every time I hear the story because they go into town and they talk to the, to the, what's the guy who's in charge of the town called? He's like, the, he's not the mayor. He's like the, I
1: think they call him the master of Lake town. Master, or something yeah. Like. The
0: master of them. They go and they talk to him and he's like, Oh yeah, go ahead. Go, go, go mess with the dragon. And he's like, Oh, maybe they'll, maybe they'll find some gold. And I'm like, wait a minute. What, what about the dragon itself? You're not worried about that. It's like, I think that- he
1: assumes that the dragon is just going to kill the dwarves and take care of his problem. He doesn't really care. He just wants so. to get them out of the town. And, you know, it was 60 years since anyone's messed with them. So the humans there don't really remember what it was like. And, oh, that's know. true. Uh, there's, yeah,
0: there's some metaphors for some of our current problems. Remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your guys' favorite parts of this story?
2: I, you know, it's something that I didn't, because I haven't read it since college and I forgot the whole Arkenstone little, you know, I, I, I forgot yeah. that.
0: But the yeah. Arkenstone, i didn't remember it until I saw the film, and I was like, "Was that in the book?" And then I read it again, and I was like, "Oh, it totally was."
2: Yeah,
0: it just slipped my mind.
2: And hearing now, it's like—I mean, you know, Bilbo does kind of betray the the you know Thorin. I mean, it's it's—he's
0: seeking he's seeking to find a peace. I think it's it's pretty obvious when Gandalf supports absolutely. You know, whatever side Gandalf is on is always the right side, right? Gandalf is the voice <laughs> of reason in these stories always.
1: It's also telling Gandalf doesn't reveal himself until after Bilbo has made the choice right. and given the Arkenstone away. Yeah, Gandalf plays
0: a really strange role in these stories. He's yes. he always he seems to kind of know what's happening at all times. Kind of knows that that Bilbo's got a ring. He kind of figures out that he's got like this this. He doesn't know it's a ring of power, obviously.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The you know the ring until Fellowship of the Ring, obviously. Right. But it seems like he knows. First of all, he knows how important it's going to be to get bilbo involved in this story that's why he chooses bilbo he almost right. like sets in motion all these great events that bring about the end of the third age almost like he's trying to make it happen right but doesn't 100 percent right. know what's happening I,
1: gandalf's a weird character very difficult to figure out he is and contradictory he's a magician who barely ever does any magic i, I was just gonna say the arkenstone story is really cool because thorin is built up through the whole story and Bilbo does kind of betray him, and Thorin loses it, and is probably about to throw Bilbo off the off the cliff, and yeah. has to be talked down. And it's interpersonal drama between them that's resolved only after the battle, and Thorin apologizes. It's
0: and also and also Bilbo sacrificing his share of the loot in order to in order to bring about peace and not have all these guys fight each other right. is pretty like you know. A pretty good character moment for him it all gets sort of obviated by the arrival of goblins and wargs and things you know
1: and dane yes and dane right
0: are, are, uh, are wargs and wolves one and the same or no
1: i, I think wargs are uh, they they have a language of their own in tolkien right. so they are distinct and different from wolves
0: but do uh, so in in the hobbit and i noticed this i don't think this is the case in the other lord of the rings things at least not in the forefront but all of the animals seem to have their own languages and be their own sort of middle earth races. Like ravens can talk and thrushes can talk and, and regular wolves can talk. So I was like, is that a wolf? Uh, you know, is that why the wargs can talk? Because in this book, all the animals can talk or
1: is it something It something? you know? Like- honestly, it's I'm not exactly sure. I, I, I guess my favorite portion of the book would be the, the character growth that Bilbo has through the adventure. Mm. Because he starts out as a very you know, bookish, tentative individual, givvied along as he goes, uh, and he doesn't really take off until Gandalf leaves. And at that point, all the dwarves start looking him for solutions to every problem, which he does, maybe not as well as Gandalf does, but he starts yeah. making the right choices and being a leader and being the person in charge yeah. which yeah. did, did anybody else out.
0: pick up on uh, did anybody else pick up on when he got the last couple of experience he needed for second level or- <laughs> yeah
1: yeah explicitly <laughs> when he killed the spider you know? he killed was- the spider and leveled up felt like a different person and yeah. uh you know he has rock throwing and uh <laughs> dragons cause fear and worms 3d and yeah I, mean, I can't see where we're going with this, honestly, but it feels <laughs> yeah. like maybe
2: there are some tropes
1: that were carried forward.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. That was another thing that um, I, I, you know, I mean, I've always known the roots between, you know, a lot of our geeky D&D stuff with Tolkien and the world, you know, the Middle Earth and all that. But th- there was just the animal speaking and how, you know, that that they they try to pull it in especially with the earlier dnd stuff or they're trying to bring it back in certain editions um you know where they have like where gnomes can now speak with the animals and things burling, like
3: that only
0: burrowing animals yeah yes,
2: right 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 but you know yeah. it's it's um yeah that was another thing that kind of hit home was just uh you know it 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 well it felt like going home in a lot of ways it um you know there was just a lot of um uh i just yeah there was just a lot of hominess to it there was just um This really touched on
0: something. And I, and I think that's what it is. I think that these stories and these myths go pretty deep for Europeans. And I think that Tolkien touched on something very deep and it's why we have like video games and films and role-playing games and stuff that use all this material, because it's just, this was the stuff our ancestors talked about for thousands of years, you know, and there was this couple hundred year gap, you know, (laughs) converted to Christianity. And so this stuff speaks to, you know, it's, it's, going out into the mountains and fighting monsters and getting treasure is a pretty appealing story inherently, you know, that's
2: yeah. um, looking kind of single handedly, you know, I mean, and he was one that was like not a pulp culture type of person, you know, like he, he was, he just kind of did his own thing and then the rest of the world kind of, you know, Came to him as opposed well, there, to... Well, there are
0: choices that he makes in his writing, and I've never read the Silmarillion, but but this and in, and it's less so, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy, there are choices he's making where you're, it's like what we said about Lovecraft, Chris, it's like, are you trying to have this be less dramatic? Like, are you trying to yeah. make this less appealing to people? Like, okay, we got this great big epic story, it's going to be, you know, 1400 pages long, and it's going to start out with 60 pages of, like, detailed information about Hobbits. And I'm mm-hmm. like, as your editor, uh, I'd like to say no. <laughs> maybe, maybe once you sell the book, you can come back and do like uh, do like an extended version where you talk about hobbits for sixty pages. But like nobody's going to read that, and I would have been wrong. Although I don't think it sold well. Am I right? Like this was not like these were not best selling novels. I believe
1: it was a sleeper hit that really yeah. took off, but yes. long after the you know years after the original right. publication date. Yeah, that's that's got, that too. Yeah,
2: I think it was uh, you know the sixties uh, where it kind of started uh. coming back was because it, it does have a. And something I really noticed with The Hobbit, you know, through Bilbo's kind of, he's, he's very anti-war, very anti, you know, and that kind mm-hmm. of that really, he, look at all he did. We were just talking about how he worked so hard to stop this one battle, but it didn't matter. It still came. It still happened. It's just, There's it's,
0: also something um, that I've noticed in a lot of books and things that got popular in the 60s and 70s is that the book is, it's very pastoral. Mm. uh it, it's like speaking to overly urbanized people and like and there's all this stuff about the animals and the forest and and, and it's what today in fantasy is quite the opposite nobody wants to read uh a rural setting fantasy it's all urban like that's what people are craving because you got a generation of people now that grew up in the suburbs and crave the city and then then you had a bunch of people grew up in the city and they crave the country and it's just like it's like what do you what do you the grass is always greener you know so you want to read fantasy <laughs> one day when we get one one day when suburbs are abolished we'll have suburban fantasy Our it
1: would sub- make sense i mean Tolkien was seeing the results of industrialization right. you know, changing the countryside right so this was written in response to that kind of like uh, the great gatsby was written in response to panic over automobiles right <laughs> so yeah well
0: saruman if you look at what saruman's doing it's pretty clearly you know an anti-industrial message yes so. yes very much so
1: uh, speaking of uh editing choices Okay. I have a feeling that uh, if he had taken this to an editor, or if it had been made into a movie without having a book first, one of the right. first notes you'd get back is, "Do you really need twelve dwarves?" Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that
2: that was twelve.
1: I was
0: trying to I was trying to count them. On I was like, wait a minute. Do I even? I've read this book like eight times. I was like, there's Thorin. There's Bomber is the fat one. There's Biffer Bofer. Biffer Bofer Kili, Owen and Glowin. Nori, Dory, Ori. That, that's 12. That's 12, actually. Never mind. Actually, I do know them all. But
2: well, I, thought, I thought easy wrote wasn't wasn't Bilbo the 14th the one that
0: Yeah, and then Gandalf is 13 and then and then oh, the Gandalf was 13. Okay.
2: <laughs> did any of the dwarves
1: other than Thorin seem to have any particular uh characteristics to you guys? Guy. Bomber is fat. Yeah, well that's that's a characteristic, sure. And I never
0: picked up on it um until I saw the film and they did it, but Feely and Kili are very young and impetuous. Yes. I didn't really pick up on that from the books because it's not very strong, but when I went back and read it afterwards I was like, oh yeah, they are. They're 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 younger and more.
1: They're younger. They're direct nephews, I believe, of Thorin himself which is why they specifically let down their lives in defense of him at the end. Balin has some interesting personality traits that are kind of hidden in the text. Uh, he is the one who is keeping watch when Bilbo sneaks back with the ring. He's okay. kind of upset when he takes it off later. Uh, it is later revealed that he takes pride in being the lookout himself, so that when he reveals the secret to the dwarves, he has this little moment like, "Oh, that's why. Got it." Ah, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's not <laughs> all my fault. The, uh,
0: my number one personality trait I know for Balin is uh, dying in Moria.
1: That's true, and I, and then, I and then the was... number
0: one personality trait for Glowin is being Gimli's father. <laughs> so that's, yes. that's about it. There's really not a not yeah. a whole lot there, but. Um, nice of you. So I was wondering this, and I thought about it a little bit, just from a plotting perspective. Why does Thorin get captured separately from everyone else in the Elf Fortress? What purpose does that serve?
1: I think it's so that Bilbo can take more of a leadership role.
2: He single-handedly... He rescues
1: all all the dwarves by himself, he marshals their defense, he breaks them out from the spiders, he gets them to safety, and then they all sit down and rest, and then I think it actually is Balin who says, oh... Where's Thorin? And they all look around. They're like, well, you don't know.
0: That makes sense because he sort of is in charge for that little bit. It gives him a little extra nudge towards being a leader. So the elves, that's a a question. The elves are nothing like. Now, I I know part of that is they're wood elves, so they're different. But there are wood elves in Lord of the Rings also, and they're not quite this Sort of legolas yeah, is they're, the wood they're elf. weird. The whole the whole thing where they're weird. Well, there's Legolas, but he's from uh, he's not from Mirkwood. They meet the Mirkwood elves again, also though. They're creepy and spooky, but like they don't come across as very magical. Like once you get to their fortress in this one, they're just like regular people. They have guards that fall asleep and get drunk and stuff. Like, like they don't seem like right.
2: it's struck too that they were not otherworldly like the other elves are kind of um, right. like, um when they meet um Name is escaping me when they when. Uh, Galadriel. They, the, yes. Well, no, no, no. When they, so when they Galadriel is a, is part of a different group of elves. Right. 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 That's what I'm saying. Okay. There were distinctly different elves, and and certainly whomever they met when they reviewed, like when they got the when they held it up to the moonlight, and he was able to kind of you know essentially unlock ah, that. Elf, yes. That's Elrond. Um, that's
0: he's he's the he's the one of the only characters that appears in everything, right? I mean, he's,
2: yes. He's yes. An, yes. He's who is
0: uh, ironically, I believe, a half elf. Which I don't think they, I don't know where we ever mm-hmm. learned. I, I know that, but it's like I know the word Ewok, even though it's not used in the book. Like, I don't know where uh, learned, L. I learned that Elrond,
1: I believe this is explicitly
0: stated in the Cimmerillion. Um, ah, okay. There's definitely some differences between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And one of them is it like, this is just, the pacing is so much better. In The than, Hobbit? In The Hobbit. It's just one yes. story and it just keeps moving. Yes. And, and everything is very low level right? Like you don't well, have
2: the the ring a, has a good pace. Like uh, they're, well, they're, of the
0: ring has a pretty good pace, but, but it, but go back and read it again. And it doesn't,
2: it, 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 <laughs> well, it doesn't have it as good as the Hobbit. That's something no, that's, stood no, out. It, it's I think good.
0: It, it's, it's, it's fun to read. If you love it, you know, like once you're into it, it's a lot of fun to read, but it does not have, it's, it's very slow. Like for somebody that's not already bought in.
1: I think it and, really um, picks up when they hit the minds of Moria and, yeah, and yeah, it doesn't yeah, slow yeah. down again until Partway through the Two Towers, I'm trying to remember whether they go to Galadriel before or after Moria, because that part's after. Cool. After, yeah,
0: uh, yeah, but no, it's true. I mean, it picks up again. I mean, it's 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 a good book. I lo- I love it. I mean, I'm I'm in the middle of reading it again. Alex and I are reading it together. So I mean, they're good books. But they, one of the things that I always liked, but this one's got a different pace and it's it's at a lower level. And they took all that when they made the films and just threw it out the window. They were yeah, like, yeah. "Hey, what if we made The Hobbit ponderously slow, and we involved all these all these like epic level characters? You know, bring back Saruman and and uh, all these wizards and stuff." And I'm like, "Why?
1: Why don't you just skip that? That, that that's just dragging the movie to the ground, you know? And an elven dwarven love story and over the top yes, ridiculous right. CGI wow. fight scenes and the Battle
2: of Five Armies happens off camera.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's true. It, you don't you know? see any of it. It's just oh. this happened, and you hear all about it afterwards. Right.
2: To, to be fair, it's kind of limited in, you know, in The Hobbit as well. Like, you know, Bilbo gets knocked out and misses like the last half of the big fight and just, you know. Right. Don't, yeah, that's the Battle of the Five Armies. But yeah, The Hobbit, the movie, they they made a lot of very poor decisions in that. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it really it was it. the push to make it a trilogy was a big mistake. They it, should have made two films.
1: I'm not okay. sure that was a big mistake. I think the way in which they filmed it and stretched it out, if you made it three 90 minute cuts, I could totally see it.
0: Yeah. You know, do Two movies. So
1: you do the first movie from the Shire to uh, the, the wolves and the escape, maybe the meeting up, up with Bjorn. The second movie is all Mirkwood and breaching the mountain. And then the last movie is the dragon, the geopolitics and the battle.
0: That sounds like, to me, what somebody who really loves this stuff would want to see. I think, yeah, if you're trying to get, like, yeah. I mean, I,
1: <laughs> a movie that is
0: half about going through Mark Wood, frankly, I don't think would be a big seller for a lot of people. I mean, you know, like we love Lord of the Rings, we're going to watch it, you know, but I mean, I think, I think it would, I, I think you could, I, honestly, I think this could be one film, but you could do it in two. I think you'd be better served to just try to turn it into one, one story. Just try to get the movie, you know, as, as punchy as you could do it and make it cool and not turn it into such an epic. I don't, I don't think this one, it ends up being an epic because of the big battle at the end, but otherwise it's just sort of an adventure story. The audio
2: that we just, you know, the audio, well, I mean, you really can't call it an audio book, but the audio performance, I guess um it, it It had four distinct chapters. I I think he did a good job of breaking it at good points and kind of, you know, at least, you know, I don't know if you all listen to it on YouTube, but like it, it, clearly the record is that those breaks were good. And, um, I think that, uh, Peter Jackson and crew just wanted to make this, um,
0: I think they were trying to do more of what they'd done in the in Lord of the Rings films because that made money and was successful and they were just trying to do it again. And really this is yeah, kind third
2: of a, movie a bunches of millions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I think it
0: was just, you know, really it, it was, was, it turned into a cash grab, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. I mean, I get, I get what they wanted to do too. They they wanted to have, you know, um, more of a female lead, which I get, you know, they wanted to have, you know, a, I don't know why they wanted the love arc, but um, you know, they could have introduced, other characters without you're a woman in this story no and, th- and i think that that's that's part of the reason why there's not a they, single
0: woman in this book right i mean i can't i'm trying to think whether they
2: they didn't have to do a love story though like you could you, they could have introduced a uh you know a woman character into it without it being um you know you could have the, just
0: made a couple of the dwarves female
2: right even that Who i do know
0: they, they don't specify that they're not you know i mean they could have been
2: really don't
1: Calling back to Terry Pratchett, that that is a common joke that he has where all the women dwarves have beards and nobody knows right. the difference between them except dwarves themselves. Right.
0: And they make that joke in the, in, in uh, one of the Lord of the Rings movies. I think it's fellowship. It, oh, really? It, 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 he sort of makes that canonical because he's like, he's like, uh, I think Gimli says, you know, you couldn't tell the difference between the male and female dwarves and, and Aragorn's like, it's the beards. I, I didn't realize that comes from Terry Pratchett, but that's kind of funny. That's like... Uh, <laughs> very circular so i wanted to i wanted to ask you this chris what what is happening during the during the main lord of the rings trilogy what is happening in the region that that this one is in where the lonely mountain is and lake town and and dale and everything what are those people doing during the events of lord of the
1: rings i believe in the appendices, it says that they are defending against the might of Mordor itself as well. And they're just busy with other stuff.
0: And are uh, they part of they're not part of Gondor? They're not part of Rohan. They're like their own thing.
1: Correct. Now it's a um, fun crazy question. This time, listening through, I try to keep track of how many things were described as magical. So how many magical items slash things do you think appeared in uh, the Baba? heart?
0: The harps that they find in Spaulding—that's
1: on my list—are specifically
0: referred to as magical. Obviously, Sting and Glamdring and whatnot, but they're just like Chris, yes. to, are they referred to as
1: magical,
0: or are they, they just they, uh, they, they glow
1: blue when there are Orcs
0: near? No, they so, are. Yes. They, they clearly are magical, but I don't know. If, are you saying did they use the phrase "these are magical" because they specifically? But, but, say but
1: it, it, are, how many things do you yeah. think in this yeah, are
0: magical or, or are described um, as So we we seems, got four so far. It seems that the Arkenstone Stone is yes um it seems yeah. maybe
1: a cimmerillion we don't actually know it's it
0: seems that there's some kind of glamour on bard's last arrow that belongs yep. to his father and was Ford's Yes, he
2: speaks spirit. to it like it's, it's the, a thing. the
1: black arrows
2: so yeah
0: let's see i mean smaug has got like a diamond coat i don't know if that's magical per se i i think that is more prosaic it's just literally yeah. all
1: the, yeah, the gems and stuff. Gem- there's the one ring well, of course, of course. Well, right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. right. Uh, I, would, I would argue that Gandalf's staff is probably magical because he, the lightning There's comes a- out of that when he uses it to kill the yep. Great Goblin. The magic doors uh, to the uh, uh-huh. Wood Elves' yeah. home. The, the map. Uh, yeah. That magical. Ah, yeah, that, that's true. I actually missed that, the one with the moonstones. Uh, yeah. There was one really bizarre magical thing that is left out of the audiobook.
0: The, the circle where the elves had their party is still magical after they left. It protects, it protects the dwarves yes. when they come back to it. Yeah,
1: when they step across it, they fall into a yeah. deep slumber. Right.
0: It's like a yeah. Leoman's tiny hut or something like
1: that. <laughs> you remember when uh, Bilbo steals the wallet from the, the lead ogre? The three ogres that are arguing between oh, themselves, yes. and Bilbo tries to sneak in, and he tries to steal the wallet and gets caught. Yeah. So, so in the been- book, the wallet itself is magical and, and says something like, hey, who are you? Oh, okay. And i I think it was abridged out of the audiobook because Nicole probably didn't want to try, try to come up with a voice for a wallet that gets used. <laughs> the to <wallet>. that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
2: love that whole interaction too. The way, um, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, in that whole scene where he tricks them, he he was actually yeah. using their voices as Gandalf. You know, messing with them as Gandalf mm. was mimicking their voices. Which, yeah, it was. It was just that was actually really brilliant sound play
0: are those are those ogres or are those trolls those are trolls oh trolls yes there's
2: more trolls you're right you're
0: right dungeons and dragons version (laughs) that's that's an ogre right that's about the size of an ogre they're really nothing a troll and a troll is more like a monster in the second one i mean in lord of the rings right yeah the cave Mm -hmm. troll yeah oh i guess a cave trolls see cave troll probably is to troll as goblin is to orc more, more subterranean, more animalistic, maybe. No, the goblins are perfectly intelligent.
3: Mm.
0: Maybe even more so than the orcs, because like when they're talking to the Goblin King and stuff like that, he seems like a like a character. He was, you know.
1: Yeah, well, he has beef specifically with uh, with Thorin, the whole bodyguard of Bolg thing, and th- I think that was excised out of this too, where where Bolg was the leader of the army that that came to fight the orcs. And
3: so, what is <laughs> what is an
0: otter cop?
1: Edercap, no, uh, no, no, no. it's Edercap in
0: D and D, but he calls the, the spider an otter cop. It's like spelled. Different. Is that some old word for spider or something? What is that? I think it must be. I'm not sure. I meant to look at. <laughs> I meant to look it up because I thought that was really interesting, and I was hoping you guys had done so, but we were all equally lazy. We haven't talked about Gollum much. Gollum, I think, is one of the great characters. I think. I think just not so much in this one. He's okay in this one. But in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I think he's just just such a tragic and fascinating character. He's got this long life and he's like at the center of everything. I think he's just a really, just a terrific character. And he really he, comes and
1: into his own in the Two Towers when you find out his yeah. background and how he's yeah. tortured by about finding the ring and yep. all the links he goes through. Yeah, Yeah, I think
0: he's sort of the center of that book. I think he's probably the most interesting thing about that second book um but the part where Bilbo meets him used to scare me really bad when I was a little kid just 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 the idea of how deep underground that lake must be and like Bilbo wandering around under there in the dark and like how long was Gollum there I used to always think about that like how long was it a thousand years was it a hundred years I feel like Gollum could have been underground for anywhere from ten to a thousand years, and
1: be about- I have to feel like it's on the longer end of that because yeah, of how hobbits were described and how he wasn't kind of was but wasn't really like the hobbits that are around now and the physical changes in him. Didn't you take a class on on Lord of the Rings like in college, like
0: like a actual like interpretive? literature course on lord of the rings or am i thinking of somebody else maybe i'm thinking of somebody else
1: weirdly no i had a conflict i couldn't take it that semester oh i would
0: have i would have that would have that seems to me like you know i never got to take the alexander the great course that my college offered and was and was specifically for credit for my degree oh no it never came up i never got to take it while i
1: was there i was like oh that's like right up my alley it's
0: like but anyway
1: It's funny. My roommate was taking it. It was like I didn't do my reading. What happened? Okay, you lazy bum. This is what happened.
0: <laughs> That's pretty funny. You know, I got a text message very similar. I got a text message the other night from my friend Justin. He said, "Quick, which planet of the Hoth system were the Re- was the rebel base on?" And I was like, "The sixth. And then, and then I was like, "Why?" And he didn't respond. I'm like, "Why? Why?" <laughs> I never, must know.
1: I never got to find out why he the information. It was just like now everyone's in suspense you'll have to update us next time
2: kind of going back to what we're talking about just how this is just a full arc it's just like you know really tight arc. the way it ends is so beautiful it's perfect the way you know Tolkien just really knew how to end this I don't think he and I think he ended the books far better than they ended the movies of the uh the fellowship and or sorry of the the Lord the Lord of the Rings right but, you know, it's like there's... Um, Do you really think the
1: scouring of the Shire was a great ending to The Lord of the Rings? Well, I, I, again, I think that's a really smart end because The Hobbit's return home, it, it's very similar to Bilbo's evolution. Right. They were, you know, tentative and afraid at the beginning. They come back knowing what the hell they're doing, organizing the defense of their home, and just pulling it off without any help from anyone else so
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. i like it powerful. i like it but just if i would again if i was an editor i'd be like listen there's rising action climax falling action End mm-hmm. your right. book like right. you do not yeah. do not start another plot at, at the end of the book like this is not what you do but well and,
1: and also remember lord of the rings i think was written as an eight was it eight or nine books i think it was eight uh, that were split into three oh, so right.
0: yeah uh there's two
1: per book so six i think it's three three and two right uh
0: not the way it's done now the pagination no? they now okay. is just book one book two book two book three. okay then i could be way off i'm sorry i'm, I'm, <laughs> in, the, I'm in the middle of reading it again so that's uh, cool we're just we're just coming to the end of two towers right now
1: i remember being a little kid and my dad reading lord of the rings to me i, I think i was in seventh grade and yeah. he would you know like read a chapter a night and i would get impatient and i would you know like sneak back after <laughs> like before he got home from work and like start reading ahead in lord of the rings so i had you actually what's
0: funny what's funny is as a dad i can tell you you thought you were putting one over on your dad but your dad is like that's such a win that yes. like, like my son is being bad by reading ahead in this giant <laughs> yeah. novel like
1: it's like oh no and he caught me doing it and i was like yeah well i still want you
0: i want to hear you talk i want to yeah. hear you read it i don't want to <laughs> i've had this conversation with multiple different kids where they were like sort of being slow about learning to read. And I was like, what are you doing? You love reading. Like, why don't you want to work on this with me? And and both Alex and Cleo, both individually were like, I'm afraid when I learn to read, you'll stop reading to me at night. Oh. And, I, and I was like, "I was like, if you want me to lay down in your bed when you're 16 and read to you, I'll do it. You're not going to want that, <laughs> but I would. Want no <laughs> I'm always going to want to read to you. Like, well, yeah. that,
2: that's something that struck me as, as The Hobbit, though, too. And I think, you know, it was... It came through in the audio is that it's it's meant to be read by parents, maybe not by parents, but by someone to by by someone to someone else. You know, it, it really felt like this certainly more than the other books because they are just so long and complex and you know right. bold and all this. Right. This is there is a simplicity. I think this was written more as a children's book in a way that you know it,
0: it, it's also directly inspired much more by Beowulf right yeah, and the Beowulf, oral tradition be, Beowulf was not a book that you read by yourself it was you sat oh, around right. a fire in the great hall and you and you sang Beowulf yes right. you know yes, I mean? yes, yes I mean it was, that's, that's okay, the way these right. things were meant to be done they didn't right. have movies they didn't have tv what they had was a guy who was good at singing a story and if he forgot the line everybody would pick it up because they knew it it's it's you know just like just like homer and homer and there's all this stuff it's all very similar so So
1: to bring it well full circle it is ideally suited for an audiobook eh? it is i think it is i think it is i think it is but it would be really cool
3: it's
0: it's like going i think i think the way they did these things in the old days it was like the rocky pic rocky horror picture show i think everybody was like listening and participating and like shouting parts of the dialogue and stuff like You know, maybe somebody would be like a really good bard and everybody would just sit enthralled while they did it, but somebody else wouldn't be so great at it and everybody would do it together. And I just imagine lots of ale and lots of singing and yelling and the guy sucked, you would throw some beer at his head or something. I don't know, that's just my my, my image of an Anglo-Saxon, you know, Great Hall, like with a roaring fire and just a big party and I don't know, sounds awesome to me.
1: So let's think to it this time. Did you guys think that Bard the Bowman was a little bit of a drama queen? <laughs> he like okay where's bard yeah we make him king and he like steps out of the shadows i live
0: yeah yeah that was that was definitely yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so i wondered about this this that, that brings up another thought i wanted to see what you guys thought of this tactically speaking why So bard the first thing he does is he runs over and he closes the bridge yes. right mm-hmm. and then smaug shows up and Smaug's like oh man the bridge and i'm like dude you can fly what do you care if there's was a bridge? <laughs> Does anybody understand that? What's going on I didn't there? quite. I, I I, the only
2: that. thing I could come up with on that, because, yeah, I, that did strike me, was that he didn't want them to leave. He wanted to incinerate that town with all of them in it and just light them to the ground. So, that, And that was just a way they could escape and get away. If
0: the bridge was not down, they could they...
2: but right, But, yeah, he, brought, he He knocked it down. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, hey. you're right, actually. yeah, the dragon doesn't right. cross
0: a bridge. He knocked I it down
2: I, first, and that was like, yay. That was yeah. so smart he knocked it down. You're right. That is Smug,
0: and then and then I'm like cuz cuz I was thinking well Smog's just going to fly over that but then he shows up and he's like rats they've got the bridge up. I'm like what what do you mean? Like what
1: <laughs> Well if you think about how Smog operated in the Lonely Mountain he smote the scythe and then like went in and ate all the all the dwarves. So that was probably his plan was to, you know like land and go in and eat them all but with the bridge down he was forced to strafe and they had arrow shots at him and one of them actually did take him out so well, one
0: of them did kill him yeah but he yeah. thought he was invulnerable to anti-aircraft fire essentially yeah. so um we always ask this as we get towards the end of the show what were you guys biggest surprises i guess first question were there any surprises <laughs> to, to me this mostly was like entirely a surprise. i've never i've never uh listened to this before i thought it was very cool it's big it's surprising to me that it was abridged i didn't know that the voices were all great and that was a that was a welcome surprise um, but was there anything that I didn't expect in this? Not really. This is pretty much what I thought I was getting. I know the story. I recently reread the book to my kids within the last year or so. I, I didn't remember the whole bit after they get the treasure and where, and where the good guys are all about to kill each other mm-hmm. and the Arkenstone and all that. I completely forgot about that.
2: That was my
0: tale. That wasn't a surprise on this reading. But my last reading, I was like, oh, Oh, I didn't remember any of that, like completely <laughs> slipped my mind. So how about you guys? Anything surprise you?
2: Yeah, you, you got my uh, surprise, which was the Arkenstone bit. I don't yeah. know why that slipped my mind. And it just, it added this really great level of depth that, that just, you know, just kind of brought that whole thing home for Bilbo, you know, that arc that you were talking about, Chris, you know, just where he he has that, that, that is really his, his shining, growing moment, you know, where he makes this decision of, giving up his gold trying to avoid a battle that unfortunately you know didn't totally avoid it but he did avoid the conflict with on the good side i'm using air quotes you know but that was my surprise which is how that Uh, slipped through the cracks to my memory and
0: sorry i jacked your surprise no no, 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 it's okay you you know what's another thing actually on my on my most recent reading of it i had missed how explicitly when gandalf leaves them He's going off to fight the Necromancer, yep. who's, who's like Sauron. Yes. I, that I, I totally missed until the most recent reading of it. Not this time, but the last time. I was, and I think they cut that from this. I don't think that gets mentioned in the audiobook.
2: I don't, I don't know if it was mentioned I, I, in The Hobbit at, at all. I, at least I don't remember. No, I don't,
0: to me, to me um, it's sort of, you know, Gandalf disappears. He, he disappears because essentially, like Chris said, you want to give Bilbo some agency, so you right. take again Gandalf. It's kind of like how Captain Marvel can't be there every time the Avengers have a fight because if Captain Marvel's there, she just ends the fight. She's yeah. too powerful. It's, just, it's, not, it's, no, it's the
1: Superman not. problem.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Superman problem. Exactly. So Chris, did anything surprise you?
1: Yeah, two things, actually. And one's right. really small. It's when uh, Bilbo is uh, being challenged by the dwarves on whether he'll take it up. And he saw something like... Yeah, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll fight the wild wereworms in the last de- desert. And I was like, "Yeah, I want to see that wild <laughs> wereworms." Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is uh, language drift. It, it's yeah. really apparent when you listen to this book. Um, queer? Are you talking about the use of the word
0: queer? Uh, queer is a big one. Yes,
1: yeah. it 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 means strange or unusual, exclusively. Right. Gay. Um, gay is another one that comes up. Uh, gay comes up. Uh, there is. Um... Do we have any bundles of sticks explicitly? <laughs> I was listening to that and no. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that is in the text of Lord of the Rings, though. Yes, and I that could be very confusing. I... The uh, wood elves describe the dwarves as wandering around their lands, molesting people. Elrond's home is described as the last homely house in the west. Homely house in the east. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just homely is. Uh, Ugly yeah it's, okay. it just doesn't mean right. the same thing as it did in 1950 or, yeah it's not like so that you, you wouldn't say like oh
0: your house is really homely
1: like, right no, you use, like, <laughs> it no. would be very offended yeah, it be <laughs> so unfair. it just language has changed over time and sure. it's it's funny to see that
0: we've come down to it um what are you guys what are you guys gonna do are we gonna raise our glasses what do you guys think of this audio book
1: do we have two votes here? Do we toast the, the Hobbit by itself and then the audiobook version of said Hobbit?
0: Or okay. If we're gonna do that, then I think for me, clearly, I think the Hobbit is a classic. I Absolutely. think this is I think this is rejuvenating the old tales of, of fantasy. And it's it's a it's what a prequel should be. It's its own. I know it's not technically well, is it is a pre you know what I mean. Yeah. Like a prequel.
2: It's also- when,
0: when you do a prequel, there's no reason why it can't stand on its own and be like a thrilling tale of its own. It doesn't have to be boring backstory. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular um, <laughs> who might have screwed that up, but um, I just think this is a great story. It's fun. Kids love it. Adults love it. I think this is, this the book is a classic. A hundred percent of agreement I'm on the book being a classic. That. All right. All right. So how about the audio book? What do you guys think? Would you guys play this audio book? Would you guys look for something better?
2: For me, like I was on the fence, um, you know, in terms of it, because it is a derivative of a classic. So it is, it, you know, it's classic in and of itself. And just looking at all the work that went into coming up with the voices and and being able to, you know, create that world, you know, just auditorially, I think it, you know, to kind of like steal, steal a line from the very ending of, of that, you, you leave transformed, you leave as a listener, you leave not as you w- once were you know you 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 are transformed by the audio experience I think it, it is okay. it does take you somewhere
0: well, that's a powerful vote in favor of it
3: definitely
2: I, I
0: I think this so I think if you were comparing this to audiobooks I listen like I said, I listen to audible a lot, listen to a lot of audiobooks this would stand head and shoulders above the quality of any of those it's right. just not that it's just not the way they're done um right. this is more like uh, what they usually call like a radio drama. Radio,
2: like, the way, yes. like the
0: way the way there's like a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy version and oh, there's exactly. like a Star Wars version that, that they've done that were sort of more inspired by the old radio dramas than they were just books. And this is kind of in a nether region between those two things. And if you compare it to the radio dramas, it would probably you know be have a little bit more of a run for its money. But if you compare it to audio books, this is phenomenal, much better than anything you're gonna listen to. As an audiobook, um, I have listened to Lord of the Rings on audiobook, like the the, the uh, full trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and It's pretty good, you know. I remember pretty good versions that I listened to, um, but this was better. This was better, you know. Like you said, you, it stands out. I don't have trouble following which characters are which, uh, which would be great for Lord of the Rings because there's a whole bunch of people. And I, you know, I've listened to Tolstoy on audiobooks, and it would have been <laughs> awesome if somebody had done different accents for all these Russians that I have no idea who was who and. Versus the audiobook canon, this would be like something I would say. If do you like audiobooks? Oh, you never listen to audiobooks. Here's a great one of the Hobbit that you should listen to. It would be like an entryway to like the genre of listening to audiobooks. and to me that means it's a classic of the genre. so I vote for it.
1: I don't need to feel like I need to make a case at this point. I, It's yeah it, it, it's obviously <laughs> something I like a lot and I come yeah. back to it every few years and well, but,
0: uh, but sometimes, but sometimes um, I have I have nominated some things
1: that I really liked at younger points
0: in my life, and then they don't hold up. So it's worth mentioning if it held up for you or not. You
1: know? I, I will say, honestly, it does bother me a bit that it is abridged, uh, but I am the type of person who does want three full decent right. movies of the Hobbit. I do miss um, that we don't get the, uh, the Bilbo poetry when he comes back home. You know, the hero's journey end cap, how he's a different person than when he left. Him coming <laughs> back to find the uh, Sackville Bagginses have uh, put up his home for auction. Yes,
2: yeah. yeah. yeah, <laughs> right. You know, it is. It's
1: it's so good. I, I, even the fact that uh, approximately the first seventy or eighty percent of the book is spent traveling all the way to this mountain, and then you know, like the last four pages of the book are him getting back home, and basically <laughs> nothing <laughs> that's happens. That's true. funny. Uh, yeah. So. There are little things that I, I think the totality of the Hobbit is not captured in this, but there's a lot of heart that goes into it, and uh, I think it's a it's a good list, and I I heartily vote vote for it. And you, anyone anyone can find this on YouTube I, under Nicole Williamson uh, Hobbit yes, audio book. Nicole
0: Williamson Hobbit's are available on YouTube in four parts. Um, don't be distracted by the Nicole Williamson version. Um, yeah, it's like <laughs> what what you're saying about not capturing the totality of the Hobbit, but 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 still being that's what i think the film should have felt like i think the, the essence film, of it yes yes it, it should have captured the essence of it it should have been a thrilling tale and maybe left out some stuff you know right. i think we all noticed when tom bombadil wasn't in fellowship of the ring but i think we were okay yes, i think we were so. okay without tom bombadil kevin thanks for coming on the show uh kevin doyle first time Guest host, thanks for coming on, Chris. And thanks you. for coming back. You, Always you're a pleasure. Veteran of the uh, of the uh, infamous and uh, highly regarded episode on the Terry Pratchett uh, book that we read. So, um, thanks for coming on again and uh, for toasting the classics. This is Dave MacArthur. See y'all later. That's it for episode fifty five of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, get some hot chocolate, vanilla extract, and any rum of your choosing to make a spiked hot chocolate for our discussion of Madeleine Lengel's A Wrinkle in Time. If you'd like to get in touch please send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, comments, complaints, and let us know what regional British accents we should use for next week's show. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at nuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics.